Hello, you're listening to An Adequate Podcast by me, John Paul Flintoff. It's about creative self-expression through writing, drawing and speaking. And it's adequate because I can't do perfect. In the last episode, you heard the electronic voice of Martin Pistorius, the man who was locked inside his body and unable to communicate for 14 years. I recorded it several years ago, and a few years after that, for reasons I've never understood, my YouTube channel had a sudden and never-to-be-repeated flurry of thousands of visitors all at once, all of them there to watch that interview. Listening to it again the other day, I decided to get back in touch with Martin, but I've lost his contact details and not managed to track him down yet. I mention that because I want to share what's actually happening in more or less real time as I approach publishing this book about speaking. If I do find Martin, perhaps he'll listen. Perhaps he's listening now. Perhaps it's you. If it is you, Martin, what do you think about recording a new interview? I would really like that. You may recall that I recently submitted a magazine story about my greatest speaking disasters to help promote this new book. Which new book? The one that I'm publishing in February. Well, I've now heard back from the editor. If you listened to me reading that story in the last episode, you might have formed some opinions of your own about it, and it might have thrown up some questions in your mind. Keep listening, and towards the end of this episode, you'll hear what the actual National Magazine editor had to say about it, and what I did about that. I mention all this because a written story, just like a speech, is part of a dynamic process. It's not like th throwing a rock into a pond and never seeing it again. Few people just turn up and give a speech. Normally there's an invitation that precedes it and a discussion about what the speech might cover. Afterwards, the speech is likely to leave questions in the mind of the audience which the speaker may decide to answer. In other words, any kind of speech is a dialogue. The same with this article. If this was a perfect podcast, I would only read you stories that were perfect. They would answer all your questions, leaving nothing more to say except perhaps, gosh, John Paul Flintoff, you're a genius. But that would actually be boring, like watching God playing golf. Hold in one, hold in one, hold in one. So, having no alternative, I'll share what's adequate. And I'm happy to say that I'm not alone in thinking that perfect isn't necessary. I recently interviewed a woman called Helen Bagnall, who has for a decade and more run Salon London, where speakers talk about all kinds of things. Some of those speakers have done it many times. Others are more or less beginners. Helen has watched a broad variety and what she had to tell me should give courage to anybody who feels unconfident about public speaking. Please, when you're listening, bear in mind that the interview was originally done on video for a group of people I was training in public speaker skills. I do think anyone can be a really good speaker. I really, really do. I think there's so much uh, kind of chaos around it to stop people being really good. 
Um, but I think anyone really can. Um, and so to answer part of your questions there, JP, yes, I think you can, as if you have very good content, I don't think it really matters how you say it. Uh, I've seen appalling speakers, you know, who really have got none of the skills that you associate uh, with um, being uh, a good speaker, but they have hypnotized an audience because what they have experienced or what they have to say is so unique to them. And because they have really lived it and they believe what they're saying and it's true, then it's hypnotic. How do you mean then, in what sense could they be, I mean, I know, I imagine there were sort of inverted commas around not being very good speakers, but in what sense were they not good then? Because it sounds like they were great. Um, I think not good in the sense that they found uh, eye contact with uh, anyone in the audience incredibly hard. I think that they either spoke very, very quietly, very, um, very fast, um, or they um, were so scared that they could only really deliver it uh, in one long sentence in which there'd be no pauses for reactions or anything. And I have seen audiences adjust to all of this if they are really interested in um, what they're hearing. Um, I don't want to name anyone uh, for, for not being a good speaker, because as you say, you know, it, it's not it's not spectacularly helpful. But uh, I have seen, you know, all of these things happen. So I think, you know, there is that you, you, you don't even have to be a good speaker to be a good speaker. <laughs> that must be, I hope that's very reassuring for people watching this. Yes, and I think the flip side that is also reassuring is the fact that very, very polished speakers um, can often not be very good. Um, you know, and I think if you are really feel that there's one way that you have to be, I think it can really take away from your skills at public speaking, and that can be as alienating um, to an audience as you know doing it what you would think would be really badly. You know, I think that there's a lot of people feel they have to copy the TED style of talk. Um, and actually that just does not sit well and we have seen it so many times we almost discount it it's become almost empty as a way of being um, a public speaker how do you um, mean can you sort of because I think I know what you mean about the TED talk what's the sort of thing you mean Okay, well, TED is phenomenal, obviously, an amazing way of disseminating information. Um, but it's very, 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 very highly produced. Um, it's got huge production values that most people cannot um, cannot emulate. But also there is a very a kind of call and response to the audience. It's very measured. Uh, you know, you set up a question, you allow time for reaction, you know, you allow time for the audience to think. And I think unless that is naturally the way that you speak, it will come off as you know, inauthentic. And, you know, and I think it, there is a very American approach to um, talking that doesn't sit naturally with other cultures, with other um, ways of speaking. And sometimes you can lose a lot of your real skills and real brilliance by trying to copy something that works very, very well for the American corporate market. I promised earlier I would tell you what happened when I sent the magazine story about my greatest speaking disasters in and what the editor said and I'll be quite quick because actually she liked it she said thanks for this really enjoyable read sounds terrifying and she had a few more questions uh, for a few more details but I'm not going to tell you all of those because honestly they're not absolutely the most shatteringly amazing things but one of the things I did want to focus on was towards the end uh, when I when I 
gave an account in that story of the, the most awful experience I had with an audience and she had some more questions there so I'm going to read back what I said and and how I answered her questions so I was talking about the fact that I'd had some really tough experiences but I can more or less live with those and then I said I'd like to pretend I can laugh about all my speaking failures tell you they made me stronger well they probably did make me stronger but I still want to cry when I think of the worst one and my editor said, what was the subject? Who was the audience? It was at a school, believe it or not. And it was about how to change the world again. Which, in case you don't remember from the last episode, is the title of one of my other books. It wasn't painful at the time. In fact, I thought it went reasonably well. But a few hours after getting home, I received an email informing me that I had said something offensive. And the editor said, did you ever find out what it was? And I add something in a minute. We've had to apologise and distance ourselves from you, read the email. I was upset, confused. I would never intentionally say what had apparently been heard by 700 people. In case you're wondering, I'm not going to repeat it here. Too painful. Sorry. But I must have misspoken. I telephoned to ask if I could come back, explain myself, answer questions, apologise. No, 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 and no. Nobody wants to experience this kind of thing. And for most people, including my friend at the dinner party, it will never happen. It really hurt. And that too is primal. Because in nature, for a social animal to be ostracised generally means death. And, and then I, I continued as before but with this uh, little extra bit. Happily, we are not animals. I still had my family and my friends. And hard lessons can eventually also be liberating. And so the story continued. But I think this sets you up well for what I'm going to be talking about next, which is how public speaking actually could be part of making me feel better again. This is what's happening now. In other news, the publicity wizard who works with my publisher, Short Books, has sent a different story idea to a magazine outside the UK. This story is about how public speaking helped me to recover after I had a breakdown. You may not be astonished to hear that the magazine liked this idea, so I now have to write it. Bearing in mind what I said in the last episode about how painful it can be when events don't go well, you may be surprised to hear that public speaking contributed to my recovery. But hey, life is full of surprises, and starting to speak publicly again definitely helped me to feel more confident. Not least, perhaps, because it gave me a sense of purpose. So, how to write that story? Well, to begin, I've been contacting people who might be able to help. One of those people is a woman who first met me when I was still extremely fragile. After a short while, she invited me to give a talk about how I was doing, because she believed that for other people to hear what I was going through might help them to avoid the worst. All being well, I'll do that interview with her next week, and naturally I'll share it here. Thank you for listening to an adequate podcast with me, John Paul Flintoff.
If you want to hear more episodes on the theme of self-expression, please subscribe. I'm very keen to make this podcast interactive, and if you listen with the Anchor app, you can send me a voice message with your comments and questions. Bye for now.